we thank God for this morning. We thank God for this church. And we speak in the name of the Lord. I pray that Lord God, the words you have given me, those words I have faithfully written down, you will give me clarity, brevity, your astonishing anointing, and Lord, above all else, a people who will hear your word and respond in Jesus' name. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I truly enjoyed the declaration. I noticed that many of you have memorized it. I literally wrote these pages down afresh. 35 years of preaching, you get tempted to recycle messages. Pastor Ashish, you know what I'm talking about. You know, cut and paste here and there. Put this and that. A few jokes in between. And then you think you're so clever, you have put a message together. While everything is falling apart. No way. There was a time I was addicted to the pulpit. I could preach at the drop of a hat. I would preach more than four to five hundred times a year. And think I was great. Then I realized. It's altogether different to deliver the burden of the Lord. To be reluctant to run to the pulpit. To weep over people. To experience the same pain. To experience the same pain that the prophets of old experienced. Wept over cities and nations. That's very, very challenging. I fear to open my mouth now. To preach is not just a profession. But it's a very painful, painful exercise. There are some preachers you can watch them go through. If you by chance prevent them from preaching, from coming to the pulpit, they will exhibit characteristics of an addict. De-addiction is required. Why? Sometimes when you have a captive audience and you have got accustomed to speaking and speaking and speaking, you somehow convince yourself that the words you speak is only for the other side of the pulpit. Not so. Not so. One day, I heard a voice behind me in the middle of preaching. I can assure you, there are preachers who hear the voice of God. Said, you answer now your own altar call. You answer the very thing that you challenge these people to answer. I just threw up my hands and I said, I am done. I do not know what you have decided. But I have decided. I need to answer my own altar call. This exercise for us today is from the word of God. I will stick to the script. I will shout it out if you want. But just plain reading can help. One of the greatest sermons ever preached. Jonathan Edwards. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Anyone heard of that? I have memorized the full text. I specialize in homiletics. 
not homiletics homiletics sinners in the hands of an angry god was just a manuscript that was read and in the reading of this carefully prepared over 60 to 80 hours of preparation which preacher today prepares 60 to 80 hours before preaching once we need to return to those disciplines i especially love this church and the discipline of your pastor to write down the number of books that are circulating in this city the word of god preached in this church it's very much like isaiah the prophet i'm going to preach about and preach from his writings especially in how many of you were at the claret nivas for the uh, prophetic uh, study of the prophets and the prophetic ministry how many of you were there can i see your hands please please can i see your hands i can assure you i sat through the two days just listening contributing once in a way but so excited and filled with the word of god that i could boldly declare in the name of jesus if such is the training the discipline the word of god with a young man coming up standing here and saying we are going to go out and evangelize these are things that i used to do 35 years ago and thought everybody has given up now long ago with my students from southern asia bible college i'm talking about 25 years ago with my students i would walk the streets of bangalore only in the last 10 years i have been told you don't do those things anymore you will get killed young man i want to come and walk with you i want to recover the lost art of street evangelism everything else is happening on the streets why not evangelism holy spirit help us and please help me to stick to the manuscript there are people seated here who have the burden of the lord if you had noticed your pastor opened with isaiah chapter 1 come the burden of the lord chapter 1 how many chapters are in isaiah with all those big banners and posters about the numbers you know i saw the 88 and thought it was very funny the two ladies but 66 is also something to remember actually isaiah was one of the earliest media prophets he could write things in large letters put it out in prominent places this man was a trained scribe who could do things that would remain long after him writing things down was a discipline we are big talkers we write really but we need to change that isaiah close your eyes for a moment with me and say isaiah we are around 700 before christ a man who grew up in privilege father help us lord help me in the next few minutes to transport ourselves in time and space to the old testament 
and fill us with the word and challenge us this day. Everybody say, Isaiah, son of Amos, speak to us this day. The word of God as the prophets wrote. You see, in the book of Hebrews, it starts with saying, God spoke through the prophets. When a city does not have, when a city does not have a powerful prophetic ministry, the churches are in disarray. A start. Chapter 1, Isaiah already, unlike many other prophets, Isaiah already enters vigorously into the prophetic ministry before he narrates his life-transforming vision of the Lord seated on the throne. He understands the call and the cry of God, the passion of God for his people that he calls them. He says, come, let us sit and reason. As pastor said so beautifully, it was a beautiful opening for this message today. I can understand that we are in speaking with one voice today. That is the kind of emergency I would like to create inside here. I'm a preacher. I will use even somebody sneezing here. But that is a siren. And you know if people are blocking the way, somebody will die inside that vehicle. It's like a siren is going off and saying, hear the word of God. There is an emergency. There is a great emergency. You see, the people who do not hear the word of God and respond to it. In chapter 1, you see, I learned to illustrate my messages more and more and more because of Nepal. I'm a South Asian. And in Nepal, what you preach sometimes is in front of your eyes in the villages. I started going to Nepal in 1982 and I learned to preach in the villages among the people just using and in the evening I saw the animals coming from the fields from their grazing and and the animals were coming with different noising uh, bells you know around the neck that the cattle the, the the sheep and I sat on top of a roof and I was watching and these animals were coming but they knew where their house was, where their stall was, where they had to go. There was no traffic police, there was no signal lights. These animals went beautifully and I suddenly went to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Now you must be thinking this man is going to preach 66 chapters. How is he going to finish by 12.30? I don't know. You tell me. Chapter 1. And I saw the owner had put bells. I brought this for music. But I can use this for bells also. The owner had put bells. And the lead animal had a, had a, had a, had a bell. So I, I picked it up from the wall in the kitchen. I put it on my neck. I put it around myself. And I started shaking. And I said, oh people, if only you can hear the right sound and get the right direction, you'll reach home. You won't be lost in the way. We have to learn how to hear. We have to learn what the master is saying. We must learn. And chapter 1 beautifully, beautifully illustrates that. To hear and to obey. Isaiah sat 
at the crossroads of his times with the burden of God and he spoke to nations. You just read what is here. This church intends to touch nations. That is one of the most attractive things about this church. That's one of the most powerful things. Not to consume upon ourselves, our resources, but to be conscious that what God has given us is not just for ourselves, but for the nations to hear. What a miracle. Just a little background on Isaiah. It's not something you cannot pick up, but just a background. Over 55 to 60 years of lifetime ministry. Five kings, starting from Uzziah all the way to Manasseh. Five kings interacted with him. He's part of an amazing Judean prophetic quartet. A quartet would be four parts. Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Micah. Four people. Four servants of God. Four prophetic voices speaking out. Judea survived longer than Samaria, Israel. Why? Because of the ministry of the prophets. The prophets would call consistently confront but they would not just only confront prophets were known to be confrontational but they were also greatly able to comfort and Isaiah sometimes called the prince of prophets was probably the most skillful to do that if somebody can write this down or type it no one is a failure who lives according to the word and the will of God. No one, I repeat, no one is a failure in a time and a season when success is measured in so many ways and many people think they are failures. No one who has lived according to the word of God is a failure. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 8 says, the grass will wither Humanity compared to grass. The flower will fade. But the word of God. The word of God. Remains. Amen. Isn't it amazing that Jesus said the same words. You see Jesus. Was very intimately aware. Of this prophet's words. He directly quoted Isaiah so many times. Isaiah is quoted more than 50 times. In the New Testament. The next to come even close to that would be the prophet David. Some of you don't think David was a prophet. David was a prophet. A sweet psalmist. Holy Spirit. No one. Isaiah probably was involved in the rehabilitation of Uzziah. We do not have the time to describe all the details concerning this the first king that he directly interacted with. One of the most successful kings, Uzziah. As long, the word of God in Chronicles says, as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord gave him success. How many of you can identify with that? As long as someone seeks the Lord, passionately seeks for God's will to be done, to inquire of God, 
to consult and then to continue doing something. Uzziah became inventive. He was brilliant. And Uzziah had a team. He had many others working together with him and he was highly successful. Uzziah was highly successful, so successful that his biggest failure came from his success. Some people don't understand that. Many will say, I, I know failure. I know what is to be frustrated. I know what it is to be frustrated. I know failure. I want a little bit of success. But the biggest failure that comes in success as in the life of Uzziah, look carefully. He did not recognize the role of others. He did not recognize that there were others who had a role to play. So what did this man, the king Uzziah do? He said, I can do many different things. I'm a multitasker. So I can be king, I can be priest, I can be prophet, I can be anything I want. And that's where he started going wrong. That is where he started going wrong. And when he walked into the temple to do something that was not part of his, not part of his responsibility, suddenly a bold priest, an 80 priest came along and confronted him. Beloved, say to yourself, I thank God that I have been confronted. If not for that, where would I be? And Uzziah resisted. He said, no, I'm going to do this thing. And what happened? Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Right on his forehead. Uzziah was taken out. He wanted to go out. That's the amazing thing. A guy who desperately, a guy who desperately wanted to go in and do something, now desperately wants to get out. And the priest took him out. And then the priest had to go through cleansing. He can't come into the temple. He cannot meet with a priest. The only person left is a prophet. And for 11 years, for 11 years, the only person he could meet was Isaiah. Imagine. And in this period of time, this scribe called Isaiah paid from the treasury, paid and secure, established scribe in the courts, familiar with the, all the things that are happening. And in the year this King Uzziah dies, isolated, suddenly has a life-transforming vision. 739 BC, 2nd Chronicles 26, 2nd Kings 15, Isaiah has this powerful vision. Isaiah chapter number 6, please. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Holy, holy, Lord God, oh my. I was taught this is called the Trisagion, uttered in the presence of God. Holy, holy, holy. Keep playing that, keep going on with that same song. What a wonderful atmosphere. Cherubim and seraphim. Now, you don't have to add an S to that because the I am ending is plural. You don't say seraphims and cherubims. Although in one song you sing like that. Cherubim is plural. 
These burning protectors and the seraphim bubbling forth with the praises of God. Isaiah saw the Lord Jesus Christ. I repeat, Isaiah saw the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his splendor and glory, exalted, seated on the throne. The chorus continuous and the glory of God great. The temple was shaken. The place was shaken. But more than all else, the man of God was shaken. Oh, that there will be a shaking again. Shaken. And it says, he cries out, I am ruined. I am undone. Today that word undo is only in your computer. Do, undo. Very easy. One click of a mouse. But to be undone in the presence of God is one of the most powerful beginnings of all beginnings. A vision of the Holy One, God. Transcendent. We have made him so immanent, so close that you can put him in your pocket and walk out. He is a near God. Yes, he is a loving God. Yes, he is a touching God. Yes, he is a feeling God. Yes, but he is also a holy other God. We have lost that. A holy other, unlike any other. A God who lives in light, unapproachable. No unholy thing. I will tell you the beginning of a great revival is zero tolerance for unholiness. Some time ago, MG Road was declared zero tolerance for traffic uh, violations. Somebody forgot. You can see all kinds of violations. When our appetite for the holy presence of God increases, and we see the Lord in all of His fullness and holiness, the next thing that happens is we have a vision of ourselves, and it's not very nice. Not very nice. I am undone. I live among peoples of sinful nature. And yet I have seen the Lord. And then comes the provision. Beloved, when we repent, we receive the provision of God. And it is from the presence of God. And it is the holy presence of God alone that can send the provision. No amount of psychobabble, no amount of clever counseling can change that situation. We can do all kinds of guilt-reducing activities. But only the coal, the fire from the presence of God can cleanse. Come ye needy. Broken hearted, Jesus' blood can make you clean. For he saved the worst among us when he saved a wretch like me. And I know, yes, I know, Jesus' blood can make the wildest sinner clean. And I know, yeah. you see the angel, Seraphim, 
See, this has touched you. Now you are clean. Yes, I know Jesus' blood can make the wildest sinner clean. And the cleansing takes place. When the cleansing takes place, Isaiah then is ready to hear a holy conversation. Our ears are blocked to an eternal conversation that is taking place between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our ears are blocked. The conversation that is even this day, this moment, going on in the heavenlies is, who, whom should I send as a messenger? Who will go for us? This is not just an Old Testament conversation. This is what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are constantly saying to each other. Isaiah was privileged to be promoted to a place where he could hear this. While we walk around deaf, Isaiah was taken to this position. Oh, that people will be elevated. That people would be elevated. People would be taken. There would be a few in every city who would rise up and say, God, I want to hear what you are saying. I want to hear what you are asking. I want to know what is the burden of your heart. And I want to pray what you want me to pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest, Jesus said. That he may send forth. That was the only prayer request Jesus had on this earth. Beloved, I'm saying to you. The only prayer request Jesus had on this earth. He said, pray. Pray that he may send forth laborers. Whom shall I send? Who? We want to send. Then Isaiah replies. Isaiah replies, here I am. Here I am. Send me to the nation. But they won't listen to you. Is that an easy commission? Is that an easy walk? No. To talk to a people who won't listen to you, it's already decided. Would you still go, my friend? Go. Tell these people. You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. A closing of the ear, a hardening of the heart, a shutting of the eye. A refusal to hear and turn. Turn for what? For healing. Prophets are into healing. They speak the burden of the Lord and they say, turn and be healed. Why should you be destroyed? Turn. How long must I do this, Lord? <laughs> Keep on doing it, son. Don't stop. Keep on doing it. Till the very end. Keep on doing it. You see the book of Isaiah is divided into two parts. And some mistakenly think the first part is by one Isaiah. And the second part is by another Isaiah. Because they look so different. That's what scholarship does to books of the Bible. A Deutero Isaiah. Some have even a Trito Isaiah. A third. You know why? They just can't reconcile 1 to 39 and then 40 to 66. Who has to reconcile? A prophetic 
voice of prophet can be very, very amazing. 1 to 39. 10 chapters there within that section. To nations, he speaks the burden of the Lord, the word of God, so powerfully, so clearly. Isaiah has demonstrated to us very large contrasts. But he is the one prophet. If you were captured for your faith in Jesus Christ and put in a place where you will not come back from. Now you may think this is happening somewhere in Russia or China. This is happening in South Asia. This is happening. And you are told, we will give you only one book in the Old Testament for the rest of your life. Which book will you choose? I will choose Isaiah. If I am to read only one book in the Bible from the Old Testament, no New Testament. They are scared of the New Testament. One book in the Bible, the rest of your life, I will take Isaiah. The most complete, amazing. Isaiah speaks of the first coming of Christ and the second coming. Like as if there is no in between. For unto us a child is born. Unto us, oh God, a son is given. And his entire family was engaged in that. You see, Isaiah was so able and powerful for double fulfillment. It happened in that very time frame within his own family that he had a son. But he also spoke of the son of God way down the corridor of time. And then he spoke of this son returning in chapter 8. He said, he'll come back in glory. So Isaiah could look at a range of mountains and skip from one mountain to the other without noticing the valley. I used to walk with my friends in Nepal long ago. And they'll say, I'll ask how long, how far. They say, we have to go there. And there will be the next mountain. And look close. But you'll have to go down the mountain. And it'll take about half a day. And you have to climb again. And it'll take a long time. But Isaiah saw it far away. And he rejoiced. Rejoiced. His own son born to him by name. That was the name he wrote in big letters on a scroll and put it in a prominent place. When your own family becomes a prophecy, that's powerful. That's Isaiah. That's Isaiah. Faithfully speaking and not stopping, not stopping. True prophets usually were not so popular. But it is time to teach about the prophets. He would use words like return, repent, be renewed, refreshed. God will restore and you will rejoice. You have a redeemer. All our words. Isaiah is the one who said in chapter 40. And we can say with him, he has come. And he is coming again. Now... The times we were traveling in Nepal those years, the early 80s, there were hardly a thousand or so believers. Maybe maximum 2,000. But last year in October, I got some information. The number of believers in that nation is over 1 million. Over 1 million. There are more than 46 Bible colleges in that one nation. Imagine. I went for a youth gathering in two districts. There were 1,642 young people. Stephen traveled with me. Beloved, something is happening in South Asia. God is at work. 
people are coming to know Christ. It is like never before a time to teach the word of God. A time to train people for the ministry. Isaiah chapter 53. Who can describe that chapter? Isaiah not only had a vision of the highly exalted one, the Lord Jesus Christ on the throne, but he also saw, he had a vision of Jesus suffering, bleeding and dying. Isaiah saw more blood than Mel Gibson could ever put in the passion of the Christ. He saw it all. He experienced the pain. You see, the fifth king, Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, Manasseh was so angry with these visions and this powerful speech of the prophet that what he did was he just put this old prophet into a log, a piece of wood opened and he had two people with a saw and they went see saw. There were no power tools. And Isaiah, according to Hebrews chapter 11, 37, Hebrews, it says, he was sawn in two according to the tradition. This man, the prophet, under the fifth king that he prophesied to, but he never gave up. He was sawn by a hand, saw a huge one, into two pieces, along with wood, blood. He had spoken so powerfully to the king who had taken his own, own child, his son, and sacrificed him to a heathen god. Manasseh had child sacrifice. Today, you may think children are not being sacrificed. But sometimes, childhood is sacrificed. Because of the foolishness of parents. Because of the way parents go about their lives. And because of what the parents have as their selfish ambition. Childhood is being sacrificed. And there is no profit to stand and to speak. Even at the cost of life itself. Manasseh was angry. Prophetic ministry is to speak with a loud voice, beloved. And to speak. And to speak again. And then. Painfully watch the very words being fulfilled. Painfully watch. For if there is a prophet among us who takes pleasure in saying, I told you, no, I told you this is what is going to happen. I told you and I'm happy it happened. Not a true prophet. Not a true prophet. To speak with much pain and agony and then to wait and to watch with great sorrow. A nation could have been saved by this man's words. But they refuse to obey. They refuse to obey. To watch painfully. Is a part of this prophet's life. When he kept inviting. When he kept calling. When he sang the song of the Lord. He sang some beautiful songs. Beloved the book of Isaiah. Has some of the most beautiful sermons. That can be just preached ready made. It's there. You can just take the seven sermons in Isaiah. Just preach them out as they are. Verbatim. At him. Amazing prophet. The people of his time could have been rescued. A ministry in the face of little positive response. How can you handle that, Pastor? Little positive response. Little positive response. A ministry over 50 plus years. Faithfully declaring the word of God. Is there a man of God like that today? Is there a woman of God who will do that boldly? No matter, even if people refuse 
to respond faithfully declaring the word of God. His whole family read the names of their sons. But one thing Isaiah did in chapter number 8, it says he wrote it down clearly. He wrote it down clearly. He wrote it down well and he made sure that it was passed on to disciples who would read it and preserve it. And I'll tell you, because of that powerful exercise, an Ethiopian eunuch was reading it loudly. Hundreds of years later. Hallelujah. Beloved, I can tell you one thing. Write down what God shows you. Write down what God tells you. Faithfully teach someone. Keep it where somebody can take it again and again and read. And one day, maybe long after you are gone, someone will read it. Maybe someone will be responding to it in an unusual way. And beloved, this Ethiopian coming back from Jerusalem was reading loudly because it was not in his language. The Ethiopian language is the Amharic language. And he was reading it in the Greek. Dr. Emmanuel James taught me Greek. I learned by heart many things. To be able to read in the original language, the Septuagint version. And this Ethiopian reading Isaiah. See the powerful evangelistic moment. Crossroads of Gaza. He was sent there and he was ready and he was waiting. Beloved. God will give you unusual opportunities if you will obey the word of God. God will open unusual doors if you will be faithful to his word. God will take the very few words that you have in your heart and use it to bring someone of, of, of great significance for the kingdom of God. Yes, you. You'll say, I'm just an old simple person. What can I do in this city? Maybe it is you God is waiting for to do something. Imagine. The words of Isaiah transforming an entire nation, Ethiopia. That's what God can do. And that's what God loves to do. And that's what God is famous for. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah's vision affected the vocabulary of many people. Does your vision, does your experience with God affect other people's speech? Isaiah spoke to kings and suddenly the king's example Hezekiah Hezekiah's story is recorded so beautifully Hezekiah's acquaintance, intimacy and obedience to the prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah changed his life, added 15 years to his life someone here, you want 15 years added to your life, raise your hand make friends with prophet Isaiah read his word read the way he lived Ask, what must I do? And turn towards the wall like, turn towards the wall like Hezekiah and cry out and repent. And God, just even before, even before Isaiah could leave the premises, he was in the courtyard. God says, go back. Go back, go back. I see a man repenting. You see, God has eyes for a man or a woman who is repenting. Amen. God has eyes and God will locate. Someone who is repenting, God will identify and he'll send the prophet back. What does that mean? Don't be scared of this. We were discussing, Pastor and I, we were discussing about these death prophecies, you know. Death prophecies. Somebody says, you're going to die. I say, I'm going to die? Let me kill myself. No, 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 no. A prophetic warning, prophetic word has with it an opportunity there is always a way an opportunity 
Isaiah never failed to return and give hope and give hope and give comfort and say, God will not do this. That's beautiful ministry. We are not doomsayers. We say with passion, oh, that we would seek the Lord, call upon him. That we would cry and say, we return to you, O God, for you are the one who alone is able. Isaiah prayed with kings. Hezekiah, especially Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed and an entire army was defeated. Amen. God would set you up with people with whom you will pray and there will be a prophetic encounter and you will be able to avert, you will be able to stop a plague. A, a powerful thing can happen. And an entire people can turn to God. Jesus, quickly, how can I say quickly, slowly. John chapter 12. I will take you to this passage now. For I do not want to miss this part. John chapter 12, 38 through 41. But despite all the miraculous, we are in 37 please. Most of the people did not believe in Jesus. Verse 38. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Whoa, what a prophet. You can't keep a good prophet out of the scene. It's impossible. For his words will come back again and again and again. For they are not his words. They are the words of the Lord. And they are spoken with a passion. And it says, Lord who has believed our message, to whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? But the people couldn't believe, for as Isaiah also said, I love it, Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded and hardened the eyes. They cannot see. The heart is strong, cannot understand. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. They cannot turn to me and let me. You see, turning to the Lord, returning, turn or return. Turn, return, and there is healing. And of all the prophets, Isaiah knows about healing. And he practiced healing. He in fact even produced, he produced a formula and put it on the king. Isaiah was a healing prophet. And he said by his stripes, hallelujah. He could describe the process of healing. He himself saw it from this side of the cross. What an amazing picture. 700 years before the crucifixion. He could stand on the other side of the cross and say, Stripes, the wounded Savior is for you. There is a Redeemer, this suffering servant. And then he goes on in detail describing something we so thankfully, something we so thankfully on this side of the cross receive and just say, Thank you, Jesus. It took pain for the prophet to see that. To be healed is what God desires. He does not desire your harm. If you are a new person, you wonder what kind of a God we are talking about. I am talking about a God who wants to help you, not to harm you. He wants to heal you, not to hurt you. You have been hurt enough. You have been harmed enough. You have been broken enough. You come to this God we are talking about and he heals you. He helps you. Holy Spirit. And the prophets cried out the burden of the Lord. And this Jesus who transformed the life of Isaiah. Verse 41. John 12, 41 says, Isaiah was referring to Jesus. Imagine that. 
John is very, very clear. Can you see that? John 12, 41. I want everyone to read. I want everyone to turn to John 12, 41 and read. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he made this prediction because he was given a vision of the Messiah's glory. That's very, very powerful. That's very, very powerful. Holy Spirit. The last chapter of the book of Acts. 28, please. Apostle Paul, Jesus and Isaiah, Apostle Paul and Isaiah, Isaiah and the New Testament, Apostle Paul says, this is what God has put in my heart, verse 25, 28 and 25, the last chapter of Acts 28, the last chapter 28 and verse 25, Paul had spoken to the Jewish leaders from the books of Moses and the prophets, from morning till evening. Imagine, from morning till evening, a Bible study. Pastor, how many will come? When a city of people do not have an appetite for the word of God, there is great, great sorrow and pain. When a people, now Isaiah spoke these words. Now Paul, in the 28th chapter of Acts, at the end of his ministry in Rome, from morning till evening, is dealing with these people from the word of God. When there are Bible studies from morning till evening, when people open the word of God and study it like they did at Claret Nivas recently, and look through the word of God and spend time with the word of God, and let the word of God deal with them. Oh, that the word of God can deal with us. Just about the time the word of God begins its work. Just about the time the word of God is going deeply into the heart. It's time to pronounce the benediction and go home. That we could allow the word of God to sink in. To start working deeply. And say, oh God, work in us. A deep work of the word. And let your word keep on working in us. We will yield to your word, Lord. We will yield to your word. And then it says here, the Holy Spirit was right. Verse 25. Acts 28, 25. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to our ancestors through Isaiah, when was the Holy Spirit wrong? When was the Holy Spirit wrong, please? Paul, with a burden in his heart, with a broken heart, tells his people, the Holy Spirit spoke through Isaiah the prophet long ago, and he was right. And the same words, you see that Jesus spoke in John 12. Paul speaks again. Imagine one man's vision. 700 years before Jesus Christ. A life transforming experience. And he heard these words. And he spoke it faithfully. And through the corridors of time. Till this day. Here in St. Joseph's College. The words are spoken again. That's the power of the word of God. Grass withers. The flower will fade. But the word of God. I'll close here. I love it. Apostle Paul faithfully, he rents one house, sits there, and to whoever will come, he shares the word of God and teaches the word of God. Oh, that somebody would go somewhere, rent a house, sit there, and teach the word of God. Apostle Paul, at the end of the story, unending till today, he used Isaiah the prophet at the closing and said, they are not able to turn. Oh, that they would turn and allow me to heal them. And allow me to heal them. How many of you know that song, Healer? 
Jesus Christ. 